Welcome to Inspired Insights, where we share our conversations with industry experts as we give insight into workforce trends and changes impacting HR and financial professionals. We will cover everything from employee engagement to compliance and regulations impacting your workforce success. Welcome to the Inspired Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gorman. I'm a sales and marketing professional with over 20 years working and leading sales teams in the human capital management space. And I'm joined today by my co-host, Jeff McEwen. Hey, thanks, Brian. Great to be here. Really focused in human resource management for the first uh, decade or so of my career, and then switched into more of a, of a true training uh, development role in the last uh, 10 years. And I've been thrilled to be here with TruePaid. And today we're going to have a very special guest. We're going to get to talk to somebody who can tell us a whole lot more about that TruePay story. But uh, today our guest is a president and founder, the, the, the father of the whole thing, Mark Rutledge, <laughs> who's going to talk to us about uh, the company and how we got here. And we're thrilled to have you this morning, Mark. Thank you very much, guys. I, I really appreciate being here. Tell us kind of a little about yourself. Normally, we would ask every guest to just give us briefly, uh, you know, how they got into HR or payroll or whatever their background is. But um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you decided that you you wanted to run a show like this? And then and then how did TruePay get going? Very good. Very good. Well, that story is a long one, like in many, uh, many stories with entrepreneurs in terms of how they got started and, and how they ended up where they are today. It, it was kind of a long journey that... Um, went through lots of ups and downs, but uh, about me, I'm, I'm, I'm grew up in Indiana in the Muncie area, just North of Indy, uh, went to Ball State University with a teaching degree, wanted to teach social sciences when I got out of college. And, uh, and I, I'll tell you that I never, ever dreamed that I would be an entrepreneur. And uh, I really stumbled into this process. I think it was a scenario where I was able to take advantage of some opportunities that were in front of me. And so with a combination of a lot of luck, a lot of support, it's been a journey. And, um, but it really started in 1984. And, uh, and that was when I went into a sales position with a uh, payroll and payroll tax management firm for a regional bank. And I really enjoyed it. And uh, the reason I did that was that I wasn't able to find a teaching job at the time. And uh, uh, at that particular time in, in the early 80s, teachers were being laid off in Indiana, particularly social science teachers. So I didn't really have a, um, a good solution. So I, I went to a sales job and uh, I really enjoyed it. I worked at this uh, regional bank for a couple of years. And within about two to three years, the bank sold to a larger bank. And so was the payroll division. So I found myself having to make a decision on my next career path, and the opportunity arose to, to become a, a minority owner um, in a payroll processing startup company. And at that time, I was 29, had never done anything like this in my life, but I, I knew there was an opportunity and I knew there was a need for what we were doing, and so I took advantage of it. I had to scramble up some money to become a part of the company. I didn't have any money at that time. So I was digging very deep to make that happen, but I did. I was with that company for uh, really about 10 years, beginning in 1987 through 97, 98. The company ended up being sold to a large insurance firm. And, uh, and I continued to work at that company for about five years until the formation of TruePay 
in 2003, you know, I knew I wanted to do this. I, I knew I, at that point, you know, I was in my mid forties and I, I needed to do something. And I knew that I wanted to do form a company and do it my way and, and be different uh, and take the things that I had learned in my past experiences uh, and, and make them better try to be a better company, be a better place to work, a better company for employees and clients, and just create something of um, long-lasting value uh, for not only myself, but for all of our employees and the people that are, that are working with us. So that was the, um, the core around TruePay. It was about being different, about being a visionary, thinking outside of the box, and, uh, and building something that would be here for a long time. And that was kind of our approach back in 2003. It continued to develop over time and has grown into to where we are today, which is what I believe is a very dynamic and very high growth segment for us. And our company is continuing to grow as well. It's amazing, isn't it, that many of our guests have made the comment that they are they are where they are today, not by design or by plan, right. but just by um, you know, uh, luck or fortune or divine planning or whatever. But you know, it's it's like we do kind of seem to end up where we should be, right? I mean, yeah. this feels this feels comfortable to you, right? This feels yeah. like what you should be Very doing so. and what you've been called to do, and that's that's Very awesome. So. I think I often look back on that, Jeff, and think about why. And uh, how did uh, the processes that happened, and you're exactly right, it's really by uh, just luck and, and good fortune and being at the right place at the right time. But I think what I also have learned from other entrepreneurs, it's really, uh, it's really about being able to identify an opportunity and uh, being willing and able to take a risk when you don't really know what the outcome will be. And, you know, and having, having enough confidence in one's ability and throughout the process to, to really make it happen. But I'll tell you that early on, it was difficult. I mean, I, I did, we didn't know how we were going to pay our, our light bill sometimes. Mm. And it is a challenge and it's difficult. But I think that the one thing that most entrepreneurs have in common is exactly that, the ability to, to, to recognize an opportunity and then the willingness to to challenge it and make it happen. But I often wonder about that. Even when I look back in my career and I think about the different things that have happened, it's like, wow, I would have never dreamed when I was 25 or 29 even that, um, that I'd be running a company today. Mark, what are some of the common challenges that entrepreneurs run into, you think? And maybe it's the unknown. They just don't know what's coming at them, I guess, and, and until they get into it. But how can someone prepare to meet those challenges head on? You know, I think challenges are, uh, are opportunities is the way I like to look at them. I mean, we have the one thing that is true, particularly in our industry, is that uh, nothing stays the same. We are in a very fluid environment. Uh, technology is changing quickly. It's an ongoing process that we have to deal with. I think the biggest things that I have when I look at our company and, and our growth is, is certainly you know, right people, right seat, finding the right individuals to, to participate and be engaged in our company. Uh, it's also about identifying who our best customers are as well and realizing that we're not the best fit for everyone. And that's something that has happened over time for me. But 
you know, that identification and understanding what our, what our goals are and um, where, what our future will be is, is extremely important. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs really get uh, sideways on that. They try to be everything to everybody because every dollar counts. And when you're trying to pay bills and pay employees and, and you understand that responsibility that we have as entrepreneurs, not only to our clients, but also to our employees and their families, um, it's really easy just to take every dollar that you can get in the door. And it's difficult to say, you know what, this may not be the best client for our company and uh, to walk away from some deals that aren't, aren't exactly what they should be. I really, something you just said really resonated with me. Uh, I've worked for a, a number of entrepreneurs who got their businesses started in my career. I've never really been in, in big corporations and, you know, one of the things that is so true that I think it's overlooked a lot by the general population, general employee population, is when I hear sometimes people criticize an entrepreneur or business owner and say, you know, well, yeah, he's taking on the risk, but it's just financial. I mean, if this whole thing goes belly up, it's just he's out some money. And every business owner that I've met or I've worked for, I can tell they don't even have to say it. You can just tell they personally care about the staff. Now, some of them seem to care more about the individuals and some just care more collectively. I'll say that, but, but they do care. And so that idea, what you just said about, you know, can I make payroll? Can I keep people employed? Can I help people pay their bills? You know, those kinds of things. You really do feel that pressure that it's not just, Oh, this thing went belly up and I'm out a couple grand and, and we'll go try something oh, else. Yeah. It really is a far reaching impact if it doesn't make a go of it. And so that pressure for you to make yeah. it work and go after the dollar really is, is heartfelt. It's really. It is. And I think that successful, well, I shouldn't say that because sometimes people are successful in spite of themselves. And uh, <laughs> I'll just speak for me. I think it is, there's not one day that I uh, do not consider impacts on employees. And, uh, and essentially every decision we make, uh, as entrepreneurs can have an impact on an employee, their family, their livelihood. It can have an impact on, on our clients and how they do business. And the things that we do are so critical to the day-to-day -day operations of organizations. Every decision counts. So my thing has, uh, has really been to think about really what's in the best interest of our, of our company and our employees and, and kind of make, try to make logical common sense decisions based upon uh, the criteria that we have. But certainly the employees are the lifeblood of, of every company. And it's certainly in a business services organization like us, it's critical. So we have to take care of our people. We want them to know we care that this is a team effort and, and we can't do it without them. And I think, you're right. Sometimes that's overlooked by the general public, but uh, it's much more than a dollar scenario of how much do we make. It's it's a bigger, it's a much bigger story than that. But if people go deeper, I think they they begin to understand that. Kind of want to go back maybe to 1984 a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and talk about maybe some of the changes you have seen. Oh. Um, since then, maybe in the business world, I mean, yeah. obviously there's things like the, the phone is, is one where with, with a computer basically at our, in our hands every day, but what well, are some talked about keeping the lights on. So we're talking about gas lamps. Yeah, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Close, close. <laughs> but I'm just curious through, you know, the, those years, how does, has the business landscape changed? Let me, let me start by saying what's the same, what's maintained 
uh, what's still there that was there in 1984 and taxes, uh, taxes <laughs> were there and, uh, and, and they will continue to be there, but, but really it was, it's the human component of business. And, and, you know, while certainly technology is just like off the charts changed over, over that time. And, uh, and, you know, what we used to do manually is we can't even imagine doing it that way now, but the thing that is, um, is, is still there. It's the human connection. People still work with people. People still want to have uh, that connection. It's important. Uh, I think it will always be important, um, at least for the rest of my life, it will be. And, um, and I think that's the thing that has been most consistent throughout the, the last 38 years, I guess, now since I've been, been in this, uh, this line of work. Um, we're very much a, a people-centered type of um, type of company. While everything changes around us with social media, with communication, with um, access to data that we've never had before, still people like to work with other individuals, and people still buy from other people, and they have to like you. They have to they have to trust the organization. And, and what we do. And uh, those, that is the most important thing that, um, that is still the same after all these years. And one of the, maybe a somewhat smaller element, but certainly had an impact on, uh, on your expenses um, in 1990. So I'm thinking if you got started, you know, six years before that, I had just started my payroll career with the U.S. Navy and we were uh, just rolling direct deposit out. So yeah. I would imagine that it was something that in 84, you probably didn't have much, if any, of the direct deposits. So yeah. a lot more volume of checks and a lot of cash moving around for the- Oh my gosh. And- you know, back in uh, the uh, mid eighties, everything was manual. We had mainframe computers. Uh, we had raised computer floors. We had about a, you know, a, a large mainframe system that was operating. Everything was done on a- um, on, uh, on IBM key to disk machines, we were entering all payroll um, and all data. Nobody was, there was no electronic input. It was all manually input at our facility. Uh, just very, very manual process um, uh, from printing reports to uh, on the 14 and 7 8 by 11 paper to, uh, to just the communication with, with employees. It was totally different and, um, and much more labor intensive, uh, by the way. Um, you know, a company today, I mean, um, my gosh, compared to where we were, if, if, if technology were the same and we had the same volume of business, we would probably have twice as many employees right now mm. than, we, than we did then. And uh, so it's just a totally different environment. Uh, it's not even, it's not even recognizable actually, when I look back on it. Wow. And I know our production department, you know, they partner with a number of different uh, carriers to get this stuff out. Even though we're sending less out than we used to, we yeah. still have lots of those. It's, many of those didn't exist in 84. So was it just all U.S. postal service or? No, it was a combination of the, the post office and uh, our own fleet of couriers that would drive around oh, wow. and actually physically <laughs> deliver uh, payroll bags to, mm. to clients with paychecks in them. Uh, but it was a combination. I remember uh, couriers having to drive three hours one way to deliver items. And, um, and we had, you know, like, I don't know, 15 maybe vehicles running around, 20 vehicles running around with couriers <laughs> in them. So. 
Uh, totally different. Different world. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned the people part, Mark. I mean, I mean, you can you can attest to this too, where there have been cases where uh, companies would make decisions on who they would use for their payroll in HR based on their delivery driver, right? I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, they 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 loved them, and uh, oh, those guys those guys were the face to the client. I mean, mm-hmm. they were there every week. And they were always happy to see them because they had payroll. Right. So they really developed relationships with uh, with those. And most of them were retired guys that just wanted to do you know work a few hours um, a day and mm-hmm. be done. And uh, so, yeah, that was very much they really identified to those guys. Absolutely. And I was thinking too, a little bit, it seems like Jeff, we can't get through a podcast without asking about the pandemic and stuff and, and uh, how people react to it. But obviously the world has changed in the last couple of years. I mean, how have you seen true pay change and how maybe you can talk a little bit, Mark, what that was like when we had to pivot to uh, virtual and and how true pay reacted to that. I'm just curious how, and maybe how you see it now, you know, maybe, you know, 18, 19 months into it. Yeah, I think it was like most other companies. I mean, in mid-March of uh, 2020, you know, we didn't really know what was going to happen the next month. I mean, I literally did not know uh, whether we were going to have to lay off employees, whether we were, how we were even, were were we going to be able to get through this process? There were so many unknowns. And what I knew that Eventually, we would. We would. I, I felt confident that we would come through it. I just didn't know how long it was going to be. You know, we were very fortunate that we did not lose any employees through the whole COVID process. We were able to maintain all of our employees, and uh, and that transition to re, to remote um, was was difficult because we weren't prepared for it. We had no. We were not ready for it. We ended up with about two thirds of our team uh, being remote. There were a few of us that were in the office every day through COVID. We had to get, you know, payrolls still processing and we processed nationally and some states were more locked down than others throughout that cycle. So we were still processing. But I think the biggest change that's happened uh, since COVID has been remote working. And it's something that I think is, um, has worked out well for us. I mean, we're a technology company and we can do it. And it, it generally has worked out well. The funny part is that many of our employees hated working from home <laughs> and they couldn't wait to get back to work. They were tired of their slow home internet and they didn't have three monitors in front of them and they, they just couldn't wait to get back. But for many, it was it was a good scenario, and I think it worked out pretty well for us. But you know, we, we're using for our company. It's been good. People are more engaged with technology now. They're they're wanting to do uh, more things to become more efficient and more effective in in, in their daily work life. And uh, they want to you know with employee self service and some of the different things that we're doing. It really creates a lot of value uh, to the end employee, and it allows for that to happen a little easier. Yeah, it's been a change in, uh, from, from all aspects of what we do. Uh, more companies are now paperless. Uh, more of our reporting is done in a remote printback mode. And it uh, seems, you know, people are good with that. So it's, it's, it's changed. To, it's, there's been a lot of positive changes, mm-hmm. actually. Yep. You've talked a lot about the personal relationships and how that's important to you. But even before COVID, uh, Trupe was already having to grow outside of the, the Mishawaka footprint that it has. Right. And, uh, you know, five years ago when I joined, I wasn't the first remote employee, but I was one of the, the early ones that working out of Indy. Yep. And now we have, uh, it seems like a growing number as we find talent across the country that yep. we're able to capitalize on. How does that 
how does that resonate with you as a guy who's very relational and personal and you've got people that you almost never see now? Yeah, I, I don't like it from that standpoint, <laughs> to, to be honest. You know, I think you lose. Um, here's the negative with the remote working. There's a cultural gap that happens when people can't be in the office. I mean, in your case, Jeff, you're three hours, two and a half hours away. Uh, you, you get here regularly. There are people that are only in the office maybe once a quarter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's difficult to, to maintain the culture for, for those individuals. And, and one of the things that we try to do is make sure that people are in the office on a semi-regular basis. Uh, and when they're here, it's not just for a day. We like them to be here two or three days and really get kind of get immersed into, uh, in, into what we do. I think through, uh, I think our leadership has, is, is doing a lot of work through zoom and, um, and we try to get everyone engaged as much as we can, uh, from a cultural perspective, but that's probably the biggest negative. And, and I love people. I love talking to people. I love, um, just talking about what's going on and it's just not as easy uh, to schedule a Zoom meeting to do that. I'm more of an off-the-cuff type of guy, and uh, I like to just pop in someone's office or cubicle and talk to them a little bit about what's going on in their life, and, um, and that's not quite as easy to do right now, but we're working through it. Industry speaking, you know, payroll, HR, uh, HCM world, what trends do you see, um, maybe if you look out in the future a little bit, maybe what, what do you see coming down the pike? Um, and obviously like things like daily pay are, are popular right now. Right. That's a good question. I mean, there's so many things happening right now. Certainly daily pay is one. I think it could become more popular for, for a lot of organizations. I look at it more from, I think, the operational components of, of how we do our business and, and what we do. And I, and I think it will only continue to grow as, um, you know, the data involved in what we do, it's, it, it's massive. We, uh, we maintain a lot of information um, and a lot of data flows through organizations like ours and, and our clients want to have more accessibility. They want, they want, they're looking for analytics and data-driven analytics that really, uh, that they can really prove what they're doing and, and what their next steps are. I think on the HR side, I really feel that uh, HR is going to become uh, much more of a voice in the st strategic goals of organizations. And I think that the HR uh, groups, will, HR departments will have more of a leading voice in terms of strategic planning for organizations. I think we already see that happening. And I think that will definitely be something that will continue to grow because again, the analytics are helping to drive some of that. All of a sudden, HR has a voice now in terms of whether, whether someone wants to expand into a new market. Well, maybe that's not a great market to hire people in, you know, and, and all of a sudden, you know, HR is at the table. And, and I think that that's going to be continuing to be a big deal going forward. Yeah, you've mentioned some of the, the changes you've seen in the payroll specific world since 84, but certainly right. you've also at least you sort of as a partner of HR seen a lot of changes in HR oh, yeah. to your point yeah. about, you know, what's going to be coming in the future. So. Yeah, HR has transitioned a lot, you know, and I, and I think it will continue. The, the role of an HR leader um, is much more diverse now than it's ever been, uh, both in terms of uh, compliance and regulatory uh, issues, 
as well as just the leadership of employees. Uh, it, it's changed dramatically and will continue to do so. And I think, you know, technology is going to lead the way for them. It's really, really important for HR leadership to have accessibility to data and uh, in order to make quick decisions because decisions are made quickly today, much more quickly today than they were even, you know, five years ago. Uh, so that data is extremely important to them. Anything, I, I hate to use the word regret because I don't think that's the right word, but if you knew then what you know now, yeah, <laughs> what might you have done different along the way? I think, you know, I wouldn't change a lot in terms mm-hmm. of uh, the process because while every every step in my journey has has had its ups and downs, you know, I've tried to learn along the way and I've tried to uh, continually improve my myself and my understanding of where we're at and what we're doing and what our clients want. Probably from a from a true pay perspective, you know, we launched, uh, we started looking at HCM solutions in the probably around 2010, 2009, 2010, because we we knew that there needed to be an integrated solution to what we were doing that incorporated HR technology. I wish I would have done that sooner. I wish we would have uh, done our own thing with that a little bit sooner and gotten more of a head start on that. You know, in terms of the overall journey, it's it's been great. I've learned. I've uh, I, I wouldn't give up the the difficult times. I, I wouldn't trade them for anything because that's how we learn and uh, get better at what we do. What's the one thing you look back on and you go, that was key. Whether it was a decision you made or maybe just luck. But what's the one you look back and go, that was uh, a big deal. For TruePay, it was definitely our partnership with Kronos and our Inspire uh, HCM platform. Um, It was a game changer for us. It's changed the entire makeup of our company. When I look back over the last six or seven years that we've been involved with, uh, with, with the Inspire platform, we're a totally different company today than we were then. And we're a totally integrated, full-featured solution now. And, and not only are we doing payroll and payroll tax, but we're really an HCM company that, oh, by the way, we also do payroll. Then we were a payroll company and we were dabbling in HR technology. Today, we're not. We're an HR services technology company. And, oh, you know, payroll is just a byproduct of that. So the whole dynamic has changed in terms of um, who we are as a result of that relationship. And it's been a phenomenal one. And um, our clients have embraced our technology and, uh, um, and, and we're, you know, we've been able to identify who's a good client for true pay and maybe who's not. And, uh, you know, so we are, um, we've grown so much and are so much better, not only from a team perspective, but from a, from a technology perspective, we, we really are a different company. Probably even, Jeff, when you look back when you started with us, we've changed dramatically. I mean, it's we're, we're a much different company. I know when Brian looks back uh, 10 years ago when he was here, uh, totally different organization. But you have to change. And that's, that's the key of, you know, any kind of successful entrepreneur will tell you that you have to be fluid. You have to be able to maneuver. You have to be able to change as circumstances change around you, you have to be strategic. You have to do it with some thought, but you have to be willing to transition and change as well. And, and that statement just kind of blows my mind that everybody says that 
I mean, that's, you know, right. They can't coin that phrase. We hear that all the time. Change is constant. Everybody's change. Yet you look at some of these businesses that are, that are, you know, over the course of time have fallen away or are falling right. away now. And you think, how did they, how did they forget this, this uh, often repeated mantra? And the one that I just really marvel at is um, Sears. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I'm watching documentaries now uh, talking about Sears and how Sears was the first Amazon. I mean, when they came out yeah. and the Sears catalog was out and you could get anything under the sun, you could order a house. I mean, you could get anything. And the idea is, well, that's what Amazon is now. It's, you yeah. know, so how did Sears who had the the world by the tail and quarter of the market and whatever phrase you want to use, and then they just watched that all get taken away from them. And you just wonder, you know, where did the, where did the leadership forget that we've got to be changing? We've got to be evolving. Because change is hard. And but you is know, it, is it yeah. hard? It's inevitable. Is it, it's is it hard. staying the same hard? No, it's hard because <laughs> here's why, you know what you've got. Okay. You know, if you're Sears, you, you know what you have, you've got a successful model that's been around what since the thirties, probably, I don't know. Right, right. It, it's proven. You know what you've got. Um, you know, we knew what we had. We were a payroll company and a payroll tax easy. I mean, it wasn't easy business, but it was, we knew what we had. We understood it. Mm -hmm. We take this jump. Well, we don't really, we think we know, but do we really know? And what happens if we're wrong? Those are the, the biggest, the hardest decisions to make because again, you're going, I'm going back to what I said earlier, we're impacting people now. Right. It's right. not just the company. I mean, yeah, that's important to me and to what I do, but now I'm also impacting others along the way. So what if we made a bad decision mm -hmm. back in 2015? Mm -hmm. And what if it was absolutely a flop after we spend a lot of money do you know, and you know, it, or what if Sears made a flop? You know, so it's that's that's the, the difficulty of, of transitional decisions. And that would have been a transitional decision for for the Sears. And uh, obviously they should have done it. But it seems like the only guarantee for failure is saying we refuse to change. Right. No. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. You've got yeah. to be willing to analyze it. You've got to be willing to think about it. My my process is very common sense oriented. I mean, that's the one thing that I have. I thank my parents for that because I, I do have common sense. And I look at the pros and cons of every decision. I look at the possible benefits, the possible fail points. I try to make logical decisions based upon criteria. And rather than just saying, oh, this feels good today, let's do it. I, I want to look at the reality of the situation and the pros and the cons. And if it's totally different, if it's totally outside of my box, outside of my, my wheelhouse, um, I'm not afraid to say, let's do it. Mm -hmm. uh, let's get it done. If it makes sense. I think that, you know, those are scenarios that, uh, it's not that I'm all, I'm not always right. I make, I've made a lot of mistakes. There's lots of things that I could have done a lot differently that I didn't do, but at the end of the day, I think based on the information I had, it was probably those were, the decisions I made were probably the right decisions at the time mm -hmm. for me. I've never thought that I ever really jeopardized our team and our, our company based on a decision. I, I've never gone that far. I may rattle the foundation a bit from time to time, but, <laughs> but uh, I never felt that I've really uh, done anything to, to seriously jeopardize our company. And you've mentioned at least two times now, 
something that I think is also important for every listener to, to really take to heart. Not only is, is change good, it can be good, must be, you know, embraced, but will you just said about lots of failures? Right. I, I've never, ever heard a speaker or read a book or talked to an individual who was successful who said, yeah, all along the way, just always win, win, win. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know, it's, it's, you just don't hardly learn from wins. It's the failures that teach you and set you up right. for success later. Yeah. I mean, I've been very fortunate because I've always had uh, partners. I've had good partners. I think I've been in eight or 10 different companies involved in one way or another, you know, while each of them have fell points along the way, there's been a lot of positives that come as well. And I've been very fortunate that most of them have all uh, actually, I've, not had any dramatic failure in any company that I've been involved with, but each of them have their ups and downs and their challenges. And, um, uh, but it's, it is something that, you know, it just is going to happen. I like to, to make sure people understand that, that there's no career that doesn't have ups and downs and doesn't have problems. It doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, or an employee or whatever you're doing in life, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be things that you don't like that you have to fight through and you have to trudge through it and, and create a better environment for yourself. Absolutely. I think we'll transition to the fun questions, Mark, I guess we have here, but uh, first one was, how did you get into human resources in the first place? I think we've covered that. Yeah. Um, but what misconceptions do you think people have about uh, human resources? Right now, you know, human resources, um, a lot of people think human resource is really just dealing with employees and uh, dealing with uh, employee issues and uh, on a daily basis. And I think what most people don't really understand is that there is so much uh, compliance and uh, strategy and benefit plan analysis, uh, just so many things that happen that really prevent HR managers from actually doing what they really love to do, which is actually that, working with people. And I think a lot of HR managers end up spending so much of their time behind their desk because of all these other issues that get in the way, uh, uh, really red tape, I guess, that has to happen. It has to take place and it's getting worse and worse all the time. And um, I think that's a huge misconception that a lot of the general public has about HR. They, they, they really think that, uh, you know, they're just hanging around with talking to employees all day long, helping employees get their, do their thing. And it's just so much deeper than that today. And it's, it's getting worse and worse. I will, I'd say worse and worse uh, all the time. So. Yeah. I know that uh, you also uh, read and, and do podcasts yeah. and other things to take in information. So what yeah. can you recommend to our listeners maybe in the last year or so you've either podcast you've enjoyed or book you've read that you thought would really speak to them? I'll, I'll mention a book uh, called Trans Transformational HR. It was written by Perry Thames. It's really focused on the HR department becoming a strategic player for the organization. You know, how can HR step up to the table and, and become a, a significant player for, for, the, for the goals and objectives of the organization, become part of that process? And, uh, and I see that, uh, that, that caught, this caught my attention because um, I see that happening in front of me. I, I see when we work with uh, various directors of HR, I see them becoming more and more integral in the growth and the strategy of their company. So this, this book kind of takes that and it, it talks about that. And it, there's a lot of gushions on, on what companies have done and how they're doing it. But, but it has to do with culture development. How can the culture that an organization has, how does that help drive their 
their strategy for the three to five years. So I think that's a great book that I would, I would recommend that uh, certainly as, as something that I think would be valuable for people to look at. Great. Last question, Mark, to wrap up two letters, HR uh, stand for the words human resources, but if they had to be short for two other words, but still have the same um, general connotation, what do you think those two letters should be short for? Well, this is a tough one, and I am glad that you didn't hit me with this without any any warning because <laughs> it's, it's a difficult one. But I I came I, I came up with happy referee. Ooh. Oh, that's a big because, one. Because I think HR it does play that role as kind of a referee uh, with the with with individuals within the company and mm-hmm. uh, helps take them off the the ledge sometime. So. And they hopefully they do it with a smile on their face and uh, a positive attitude. Yeah, it's a good one. Thank you, Mark, for being with us today. And thank you for all of those that listened or watched today's discussion. And we look forward to having you back again. If you have any suggested topics or guests for future episodes, or if you'd like to be a guest yourself, we'd love to hear from you. So please reach out to us at inspiredinsights at truepay.com. This podcast is powered by TruePay, a single sign-on HCM technology provider supported by a team that strives for your success.